That make us. I'm Jake. I'm Tracy. And I'm Val. And we have with I'm a guest. Yes. <laughs> Harry, welcome to the show again. Thank you. Was I supposed to not say that? Welcome back. You're there are good. no rules here. We listen. We should tell our guests beforehand how we want them to introduce themselves, but we don't. We just we just go. We let it roll. It's true. And you would think that we would know what we were doing by this point, because right now, today. Is our three-year anniversary? Woo! Three years ago today, our first what? episode dropped. Happy birthday! You're probably body trained and everything by now. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, we still eat on podcasts. Yeah, we still eat on the air, no problem. <laughs> and we won't, we won't tell you what we do as far as potty on the air. But <laughs> I mean, I know everybody can't just walk off camera. Just gotta... <laughs> I mean, oh, well, you, can, you can only see from here yeah, up. From you here have up. no idea all that what I'm happens. doing down there. Yeah, if anyone gets forward. quiet and sort of makes a funny face, I'll know. Yeah. Every <laughs> once in a while. We think we think Tracy's just confused, but it's you know, <laughs> I'm busy. It's not it's not a look of perplexion. Perplexion, is that a word? I think yeah. you're making it's stuff now. up. All right. I like it. Well, we are so excited to have you here, Larry. This is an episode I know I've been waiting a long time to do because these are some of my favorite movies of all time. And it's a great way to wrap up um, Fantasy February that we've been doing all February. And it's a great way to celebrate three years as a podcast. We are talking about Lord of the Rings. We'll get into The Hobbit. We'll talk about the new series a little bit. Just a lot to cover. We're just doing Middle Earth, right? We're just <laughs> we're, we're, we're jumping right into it. Well, yeah, I mean... The Hobbit is tied in a little bit with the Lord of the Rings. I think they go together, right? I hope so. Cause if not, I really am like, <laughs> I've been wrong my whole life about all my beliefs. <laughs> if they don't go together, like I, I need some help. Cinematically, they definitely go together and a literary, how literary they, Literal? uh, yeah. they accidentally went together for sure. Do you say they accidentally went together? Yeah. Yeah, explain, I mean, the, explain, sir. The Hobbit had been written; it was just a story, and and it existed, and um, there it was quite popular and well received, and so there was a little pressure to write a sequel, which uh, is not remotely similar in tone or scope, or it, I mean, anything. It's it. I mean, it is a sequel because it's the setting's the same, but there's not much else. It has maps. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> when, when books didn't have maps but you know and the, and they also came decades later like so much later so they, i mean they are tied obviously like everyone knows this but uh this they are it would be hard to have a sequel and have it be less intentional than lord of the rings was to hobbit yeah cinematically well, it, clearly they were made yeah together. yeah for sure and the hobbit i mean that kind of started out as if i and this is the rumor and the myth that I've heard. And Larry, let me explain. In my opinion, as far as Tolkien lore goes, it's like Stephen Colbert mm -hmm. and then like Larry Curtis is right yeah, there. Yeah, that's yep. what we've well, been saying on our show for months. Yeah, so, so no pressure. 
here's the thing about Colbert is he's he's all for show. Sure. Uh, he's he's a hardcore lover, but like he'll he gets pronunciations wrong from time to time. And uh I mean who's gonna call him out? But he's he's a, a super fan for sure. I would not at all say that I'm a like a lore master at all. Um what I I know things and I know scholars and I know people who are lore masters, but I'm not I'm not one. I know linguists. And I yeah. know well, for, the purpose of, for the purpose of this show, you are, sir. You're our expert. Well, <laughs> I know a few things. I would, yeah, I think I'm an expert in my own way. Yeah. So, Larry, cool. let's talk about how you're an expert. You yes. personally have spent time on the set of the Hobbit films in New Zealand. You've been to Weta. You know the actors. You have some of them on your phone. I know because I've had you call them or email them or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. You are like one of the sole people that was able to bring like a ton of the actors from these movies to Utah at one point. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. kind of walk us through some of those things that you've done so everybody else knows how cool you are like we do. Uh, you had me until how cool I am. But, <laughs> but, but all those other things are real. Um, I was associated with a website. Well, so in, I, I mean, I think you guys are all old enough to remember 1999, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm the youngest, and I was like going senior year in high school. So, yes, we were okay. all familiar with <laughs> Whether I want to remember it or not is yeah. a different story. <laughs> well, I was... Uh, on the internet in 1999, which was actually fairly new. Pre-Y2K. Mm -hmm, yep. It was, yeah, the world was about to end, as a matter of fact, in 1999. But Prince was like, yeah. yeah. Right. We were all, yeah, remember that song? Yeah. Um, so uh, early days on the internet, there, there were not the same kind of film information there is now. But weirdly, by the way, the year 2020, where we are sitting at this moment, is really similar to how things were in 1999. Now it's the Amazon Lord of the Rings series, which I don't, if you put a nickel in me, I'll talk for an hour. Uh, and in 1999, we were waiting for these, who, whoever Peter Jackson is, the guy who made Frighteners, was mm -hmm. making these this big trilogy of films that cost a zillion dollars, kind of like the Amazon series, and was destined for failure, kind of like some people think the Amazon series is. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was going to change cinema or change how we view movies. And so there was a little website called theonering.net. And I was like checking it every day because there wasn't that, that many movie sites. Maybe Ain't It Cool News was the other really yeah. prominent. Uh, site now it's big business right movie websites are right. big business but not then they were fan sites anyway we, we've heard rumors we haven't been able to make ours big business <laughs> well, we've heard rumors they're big I'm business. Nerd club of penniless like journalist fan uh film people we're we yeah but uh, clearly uh so i fell in with those folks at metamins at some parties and uh actually I went to Comic-Con in San Diego in 1999 and I was like, whoa, there's other nerds in the world. There's other <laughs> nerds. It was crazy. Like, I didn't know that was real. 
Uh, some of them were female. I also didn't know that was real. I knew <laughs> a man nerd or two. I know Val. I I know you now. But... One out of four. No, I didn't know either. I really thought I was the only one for a long time. I <laughs> pretended like I wasn't because I didn't want to get beat up. <laughs> um, my worldview changed. I went to this big sprawling nerd convention covered with nerds and uh and well by the way i'm gonna just name drop shamelessly tonight I usually yeah that's why we invited you really. so there's what a what a workshop is there right and nobody knows who they are yet but i know because i'm a nerd and because uh-huh. i've been on the one ring and there's like richard taylor who we may or may not talk about more but absolutely hero of mine and i was like whoa and then um while i'm standing there elijah wood just casually walks by because <laughs> He wasn't that famous yet. And he well, and you can around. miss him because he's like this big. Yeah, he really is. And he could walk around Comic-Con with like no problem. Like nobody wow. stopped him or bothered him. And I, so I talked to him. There weren't all the Huck Finn fans there? No, I didn't catch those. Those particular <laughs> nerds were absent, at least in 1999. By the way. See, it's, I get off topic a lot. You guys That's are what this show oh, is. Lord. It really should be called Off Topic. <laughs> Welcome home. That's all I have to say. Welcome home. So if you've Please. never been to San Diego Comic-Con, it's like Mecca, and you should go. And it's this amazing, sprawling convention center that they kept making bigger and bigger and bigger just for this one convention. But in 1999, it wasn't all the way full, but it had been expanded. So I took what we call whore baths in the bathrooms like you go in there and wash yourself so you can sleep in your car because i was pretty poor and i wanted to go to comic-con anyway so uh so i'm that's listen i respect sex workers i'm not (laughs) that's what they call them and that's what i did so for my love of nerddom there i was and there's elijah wood and i said hey man because knowing these films are about to come out i'm like you're not going to be able to walk around here. Like after this, do you, you know, it was like six months out and uh-huh. he's like, he grabbed my shoulder. Like he was really alarmed and he's an actor. So I don't know if this was real, but this is what he did. He grabbed my shoulder and said, don't say that. Like he was, <laughs> he was oblivious about to what was about to happen to him. I think wow. uh, I, I bought it. So anyway, that was, um, I have no idea what question I'm answering or what I'm responding <laughs> to. That I think you answered it though. Just I think you answered it really well. Yeah, it was me jumping into fandom and, yeah, and had cool. been there ever since for a, a lot, actually, since then. That was so how did you version. springboard from that um, yeah. whore moment with <laughs> <laughs> with Elijah Wood to being on set to being well, on set in New Zealand with the Hobbits and Jackson <clears throat> and everyone? So after the prostitutes and I finished washing up <laughs> in those bathrooms. I love uh, this so much, Jake. <laughs> I'm just trying to think like. They were very nice. Very I'm nice. just trying to think how many. Is it like, is that big business for them at, at, at Comic-Con in it 1999? The I can't now. imagine that like the nerds had the guts to approach. Here, this is night. what I'm going to say. And I'm we're going to get some hate mail to me today. I'm just happy as a nerd, you are actually thinking about yes the way you smell and uh-huh. your hygiene. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. I've been to enough smaller conventions. <laughs> I'm to not know saying that every nerd is that way, right? But conventions but smell a certain way. Sadly, <laughs> only a percentage actually care about showering. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
in answer to somebody's question, not that year, but later as Comic-Con exploded into this pop culture phenomenon that is covered routinely, like daily by USA Today on its cover. Yes, there are hookers that stand outside in Batgirl costumes and uh, <laughs> try to attract attention. That 100% is real. Does that, the... that doesn't mean that every girl in a Batgirl costume is no. a hooker. No, no, far from it. Like you Don't can, assume. You can tell they're not in the convention. They're legitimately a couple on the sidewalk being like, I mean... Yeah. They're, they're friendly. That's a whole nother is, podcast is it, that maybe it, we'll it, talk about on inappropriate. Is it the Joel Schumacher edition? Uh, <laughs> there's no Hollywood version of, of these. <laughs> and I also, I think it's also important to point out that even if they are hookers, consent is still key. Mm -hmm. yes, you have consent to get all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, I was not joking when I said, like, I. I all respect for sex workers, man. Mm -hmm. So do like, I. Whatever they do, that's up that. to them. No, that's I am right. not. I am not disparaging them. But you asked jokingly, but I'm just telling you that for real. <laughs> We're Thank still you. within the first 15 minutes of this podcast, so it it's always whatever, right? Okay. Now. Yeah. Yep. I will endeavor to answer this question in a direct route. So, because I I do remember this question: Why? How did I end up on the Hobbit set from hanging out with Elijah Wood? Um, I hung out with the Lord of the Rings people, my OneRing.net, and we threw uh, an Oscar party after the Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, and some dignitaries came by. They didn't win any awards that year, but our party was a few blocks away from the convention from El from the Kodak Theater in Hollywood. So uh, in McKellen and Peter Jackson and Richard Taylor. Uh, actually, Richard did win awards for that. I forgot. They just came by the party to see the fans. Oh, wow. And he said, yeah, here, hold my Academy Award. So I was loosely <laughs> affiliated with the they, – they. I think they won like six, actually, because for yeah. special effects and design and things like that. And they passed them around the party and hung out with fans, and it was amazing. So It's like the Stanley Cup. Yeah, it was – That's it, incredible. Crazy. Uh, if wow. you go to Weta in New Zealand, in Wellington – Richard Taylor has this display. He, he invites you into this room and like, hey, sit down. And then behind him sits all these insane amount of awards, including quite a few Academy Awards. And he's as nice as can be, but it's like this intimidating, like, holy crap, kind of room. It's crazy. So made some associations and then dedicated long service, uh, free, like volunteer service to this website as a writer and as at conventions, I went to Comic Con a million times and um, Dragon Con a million times. And um, when The Hobbit was filming, uh, just I remember distinctly being in the shower and was like, "Damn it, I'm going to that!" <laughs> and so I just decided I was going. So uh, I had been just laid off from a job actually, and they had to pay me a bunch of money not to tell all their secrets. Oh, that's a good job to be laid off from. This is another true. podcast right here. They had no justification. Why didn't I do that? Well, they had no justification to lay me off, and uh, and I knew all this stuff. So I took a little bit of that money and flew myself to New Zealand, and Hobbit filming had started, and, and I just wrote several emails and kind of pitched some things and said, hey, could we set up a meeting? And a man named Matt Dravitsky kind of made me drive all over southern New Zealand to make sure I was serious about it. And we met in a pub in the middle of nowhere. And uh, 
And he said, hey, so tomorrow, why don't you come to lunch? Like invited me to set for a minute. So I went to lunch and and I sat in this tent and and this is another sidebar. Sorry, but it's crazy true. There was a linguist, an onset linguist sitting next to me from the University of Utah. That was the first wow. one I ended up sitting by, which was crazy. They had no idea. Nobody knew that it was just coincidence. So then they, uh, it was on the Pelorus River, and I don't know if you remember in the Hobbit the barrel sequence where the you know mm -hmm. the dwarf. So really, some crazy filming. And if you've watched any behind the scenes stuff, like people were going to die. Like it was the Wild West of filming, really crazy. And I'm just watching that, going whoa. And then they invited me to, why don't you come talk to Pete? at lunch so uh pete and i met on a bridge and <laughs> shook a hand and I had, I had attended a couple of things he had done I, for king kong and i think he knew my face at least right uh -huh. so he said uh you know we really ought to have you come spend some time with us while we film the next part of the hobbit and i was like all right, Pete, I'll, I'll do what I can. I see what I can do. So he uh, just pulled some letters at Warner Brothers and they made time and space and shot me over to the Hobbit set for five weeks and, and then just said, okay, here you go. And I just had a pass and could kind of go where I wanted and talk to who I wanted. And they didn't um, set anything up really. They just said, have at it. Here's your camera. So learn some onset behavior, but they, they were. It was amazing. I, I every day was like, is today the day I get kicked off and say <laughs> well, they were pretty great. Every request I put in, which was quite a lot, can I interview this person or this person? They just said, Well, you'd talk to them. And so I would just talk to them and then just things were great. And McKellen was the one guy who was like, you know, why don't you just come to my house on a Saturday and we can just hang out and oh my and gosh. Talk. He was super gracious. So uh, Martin Freeman was really uh, not, he was very professional, but like mm -hmm. guarded. He's not warmly greeting any press or anything like that. Right, but, right. But people were pretty amazing. So that that's it. That's how I got from, you know, the bathroom at Comic-Con washing my armpit to <laughs> hanging out at the Hobbit set. The difference was you were taking an actual shower when you decided to change the rest of your life. Yes. So note true. to nerds, if you take an actual shower, your life will get better. That's you can so send great. the hate mail. The more you know. <laughs> See, I think I think we skirted with the line of offending a, a lot of nerds, and that time we just jumped right over it. It was just listen. Jump. I know that once a week when I shower, <laughs> I feel a lot more productive after I have done so. But don't you feel like? And I know this is a whole nother show, but you brought it up. Don't you feel like some of the best ideas? like happen in the shower because yeah. you're there you don't have any other distractions mm -hmm. and like you get and so my thing is and i just i just did a podcast with someone else um a couple days ago um really it was today but it will air <laughs> it, it was a couple of um with someone that at 38 started becoming a filmmaker and just decided that they were done like waiting and they said I'm going to do this. And you in the shower, you're like, I want to do this thing. And you went and did it. And it's, I just think it's so powerful. I I'm kind of in this point in my life right now that I'm like, I just need to do the things that I say I'm going to yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. If, if and you, you ended up in, in McKellen's house. Yeah. Not so, with a restraining order. 
I've heard it was. <laughs> I've heard that Tolkien was in the shower when he decided that dwarf women have beards, and that if anybody <laughs> ever changes that, that it will ruin everything that Middle Earth stands for. Listen, some regular women have though? beards too. So. so, real quick, I have to give my six degrees of Kevin Bacon oh. separation here. So. I know Larry through Fantasy Con, and that's how I met Val as well. And I know Val too. Like the day before he's set to fly to New Zealand, Larry doesn't have access to a camera. And he posts something online that's like, I need a camera. And I said, I've got a Canon Rebel. He was like, Would it be okay if I took this and shot stuff at the Hobbit set? And I'm like, uh-huh. So my proxy, my camera leads to Larry, which leads to Peter Jackson and Ian McKellen. So that's my little six degrees there. And, and Tracy has never used that camera since it no. sits up on the shelf. It got stolen, actually, I think. Not not by it, me. It did uh, get stolen I, years later, but um, but the photos are amazing. You have some you you've got a good photographic eye anyway. Then when you add New Zealand and film sets and you got some killer stuff. Um, most of which have thank you, by the way, and, and I've thanked you many times, but the use of that camera saved me. I oh. something I can't remember, but I think my the camera I was using broke or something right something before like that, like right before you left. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a disaster and you saved the day basically. Uh, uh, they would all be like, you know, little point and shoot, little tiny yeah. Camera. Back, back. <laughs> no, you, you did save the day. Disposable. <laughs> I, I would, as we do in life, we get better at things as we go, right? And right. I'm sure like the opportunity to redo those photos. Uh, I'm a much better photographer now than I was then. But um, weirdly, very few of those have been seen. I The contract with Warner Brothers, contract meaning like I agreed and then they agreed not to kill me. Like if I do this, if I release the photos, they might kill me. If I don't release them, they will not kill me. So uh, the, I had permission to release those photos individually through Warner Brothers. And I tend to take like super close-ups or big wide shots. And they were like, don't you have any medium shots? Like not, like not the detail of the dice in the gambling hall, but also not the entire set of Lake Town. <laughs> And so those were kind of my my shots in between. So so a lot of those have never been seen, like by you know ten people maybe. Tracy, you being one, not fair because those photos are incredible. Well, thanks. And as you said, I mean, all, all I did is push a button, right? That the, they built these amazing sets, and I mean, there I've seen people push buttons behind cameras before, and it yeah. doesn't. Nah. <laughs> well, and it's New Zealand. <laughs> right. that doesn't hurt yeah but i think there's people that just push a button that would mess even that up so yeah i think there's more to it but well if i ever like get a really good way i'd still like to share them uh there were some really cool things one i mean one thing they did is before hobbiton uh movie set opened to the public before it became mm -hmm. a public place they in fact they did that on the trip where i told you i drove around and got invited to come back in a couple of months on that trip. They're like, well, while you're here, we'll just fly you up to this Hobbiton thing we got going. And you can be one of the first people to see that. So all those oh. photos, Tracy, that was pre, like no one had seen that. That's you know, cool. That so that That's was pretty cool. cool. That was throwing me a little bone for my, for the website, not my website, but the one ring. They were like, right. you flew to New Zealand. You drove around in a rental car. You did all this stuff. Here's a, here's a thing. 
you can have this thing. <laughs> All right, let's get into the movies. Like, let's. Uh, I know that. I mean, it's very. A lot of people know this. It's not just me, by the way. Um, these movies can be very controversial in certain circles, um, along with being controversial with the family, the Tolkien family. Yep. So before we get into how much lo we love these movies, can we talk a little bit about the controversy first with fans and the Tolkien family and why um, some people think these movies do not do justice to the books and where we all kind of fit in that spectrum? Yeah, I mean, should I let you guys talk about that? I've talked a whole bunch. So, I mean, I can talk about it also, but if any of you I think want you, because we brought you on as the, like, the person guest. like the featured guest and you're the expert so you start talking about it and okay. then we'll all weigh in kind of where we fit inside of what you're talking about so part of this you have to come at from this is a movie show right hmm. so you're uh, the job of a movie maker is to make the best movie that he can um the, the some there are some tolkien nerds who want a line-by-line -line translation they, yeah. If it says brown leaf on page 45, where the hell is the brown leaf? Mm -hmm. And um, that's fair. And I know some Tolkien scholar, there's a Tolkien artist, a very prominent, like there's like three super prominent Tolkien artists, one of those guys. And he painted a commission of, uh, from the Silmarillion of, there's a, pl there's a place where a dragon waits down in a ravine. Or, mm -hmm. Sorry, that's incorrect. A hero waits down in a ravine and the dragon crosses over and he stabs up and cuts the dragon's belly. Silmarillion people will know what I'm talking about. People who don't know the Silmarillion, it's really hard to read. But yeah, I've, I've read it like twice. I still don't know it. So <laughs> <laughs> you need you need the Atlas of Middle Earth by Karen Lynn Wynn Fonstadt is your companion to the Silmarillion, and they go together. It'll help a bunch. Anyhow, they turn their commissioned like painting into the Tolkien family. And Christopher Tolkien sent it back and said, you have stairs here and they're on the wrong side of the ravine. So redo them. Right. So that's the kind of fidelity that the mm -hmm. Tolkien estate, at least at the time, wanted and expected. Mm -hmm. Now, there's the now there's the perspective of Christopher Tolkien, who that wasn't just a guy. It was his dad. And right. they weren't just stories. They were his dad's life's work. And so very naturally, and I think very appropriately, he wanted to protect them. And I think that's great. Um, I, <sighs> shameless name dropping. In my run-ins with scholars, there's some who like adamantly want, you know, like, like Tolkien's work or, is viewed like the Bible, right? It's like sacred right. text, basically. And some fans fall into that, too. And then on the other side, there's just people who just want to show up at the cinema and feel something and feel Middle Earth and have a great experience. And then all between there, there's a whole spectrum of everything. So not, first of all, the Tolkien family, I know from a very good source, didn't go see the movies. I've it was just that. not of interest to them. They just stayed home and watched book sales go through the roof all the way to the moon and collect some money. So cool. That's fine. And it should be noted that Tolkien sold the rights because he had to pay some bills, hospital bills for his wife specifically. So he sold the rights. Like, so that's it. That's what he did. So I don't blame the family for feeling that way. Eventually they saw them and they did not like them. Uh, they 
specifically complained that the films were too uh, oriented for a like action oriented, I think they even said juvenile male audience, uh, which is weird because I know lots and lots and lots of Tolkien fans and many, 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 many of them are women who felt deeply about what happened and they weren't there for the like sword fighting. And all of us might have. Weapon. Here. <laughs> Here. 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 So, I was there a little bit for the sword fighting. Well, I mean, in fairness, put some awfully handsome gentlemen in those films and made them look great. This is true, right? I mean, there's some. I believe we call it eye candy in the film business, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's it's Grima Worm Tongue. I think that's the biggest yes, piece of that's candy. What I meant. Thank you yeah. for understanding. <laughs> so, so there's there's always a controversy, but by and large, the films were, I, I mean, I would say from that 1999 perspective, probably better than anyone thought they would be, taken mm -hmm. as you know as a whole. You can always nitpick, um, but I don't think anyone was like, and it'll win dozen Academy Awards for Return of the King. Like, I don't, I don't think that was on the table in 1999. Like, that right. wasn't. It wasn't even comprehensible that a mm -hmm. fantasy film could win best picture, mm -hmm. best director. Just not. So the film, I would say, exceeded all expectations. And and again, old enough to have read, I read every press clipping, every People magazine, every GQ article, every everything in 1999. And a vast majority of them were this. New Line Cinema will fail if yes. these... Lord of the Rings films fail. They've got yes, absolutely arm on it, and they may well lose their, mm -hmm. they may lose everything. It, it's one of the biggest gambles in in Hollywood because New Line was yeah. known for horror films. They were for Friday the Thirteenth and Freddy Krueger. Uh, Freddy Krueger movies. That was their big deal, and they took a huge risk, especially making all three movies at once, um, because if the first one flops, right, they have two movies. What they got two do? movies in the can that are in trouble. So. Yeah. Yeah, that, that definitely would have sung New Line Studios for sure. And so, no one's I, worried about the failure of Amazon, but right. there are there are many very similar stories right now that like Amazon mm -hmm. has just wasted a billion dollars. Yeah. Amazon's I, not going anywhere. Like Amazon's making no. a lot of money and they're making a lot of really good choices with um what their programming is. Um yeah. You know, mm -hmm. that's a whole nother uh, podcast with how impressed I have been with Amazon and its content yeah. over the last year. Um, I I applaud how New Line just had uh, the balls to to do it, right. because I think what we've talked about a lot on this show is usually a movie that we love doesn't have enough guts to actually say we're all in on this. Like what right. I would have loved and I'm saying this as a huge fan of Marvel, I would have loved if Marvel would have gone all in on Black Panther and shot two movies in a row. They wanted yeah. to, they had enough story, but mm. they weren't sure what people were going to think. And I wish they would have had right. enough guts to say, we, we know that our project is good enough. We believe in it enough to shoot these. Cause that you guys have to say, like, I mean, you don't have to say, you don't have to agree with me, but that movie could have been two movies. Oh, like, it could have been yeah. two movies. They could have put more content in there. They mm -hmm. had enough good stuff and they could have made one and two at the same time. And they both would have been successful. I can say that about a lot of different properties. I'm not just poking, sure. but like, I wanted to see another 
Black Panther movie with mm-hmm. T'Challa. Like I want, you know, that's what I wanted. And so the fact that New Line being such a small, because they weren't, they're small. Oh, right? yeah. yeah, they were no, making they're, horror they're, films, but they're very small to make such a big budget film. Well, and then here's yeah. the crazy thing too, Larry. You you've mentioned this earlier. Um, Peter Jackson was a schlock horror film grade Z type filmmaker. Yeah, he, he, he made really, <laughs> really bad horror movies. And in, well, I wouldn't went, say they're bad. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, in terms of like the budget, that's more yeah, of what I absolutely mean. low budget. Uh, very, very, very low budget. But then he comes out with the Frighteners with Michael J. Fox, and that doesn't light up the box office by any stretch. But it's a film that I really enjoyed. Um, so then when they named him as the director, it was like, you have a, a well-known, you've got a well-known story, but it's not a mainstream story like it is now. Like everybody knows yeah. Lord of the Rings, but at the time it was like kind of a niche project. So you've got kind of this niche project. You've got an unknown director. You've got a small studio and the odds were stacked against these guys and they pulled it out. Well, and I think you mentioned Larry, that a filmmaker, their job is to make the best film possible right and i think that that's one in my opinion one area that lord of the rings really succeeds Mm -hmm. is they took the the source material and i feel like it's still true to the feeling of the source material while understanding that books read very differently than movies watch right and i love the lord of the rings books but they are compared to what you read today in high fantasy or epic mm-hmm. fantasy, very different. And they are paced very differently. And there are just some things like I, I had a friend that we would talk about Lord of the Rings and his biggest gripe about the movies was that Tom Bombadil wasn't in the movies. And I get it. I've got a lot of love for Tom Bombadil. <laughs> I've talked but about this before. I also understand the decision not to have him in the movies. And I don't know Larry, you're disagreeing with me and I'm sorry. No, but... I'm agreeing with you. 100%. Okay. Yeah. And that's, and that's where I think Peter Jackson was smart in deciding, okay, what can we do with these stories to still have it match the theme and the feeling of the stories while for a modern audience in a way that, that we're all going to be engaged and movies just play differently than, than books do. I, yeah. I think. And well, one of the, job. one of the things that I've, I've heard Jackson talk about was when they were making those kind of decisions is that he said, we have to be focused on the story of Frodo and the ring. And if it does not deal with that, then it's gotta go. And that's how they streamlined that down. I made that decision. And I, for one, I'm grateful because I read the books when I was a, a young adult, a teenager. I struggled to, I loved the Hobbit. Um, I thought the fellowship was good. When we got to two towers and into return of the King, I was like, this is a slog. And it was, there's so many names that are so complicated, but so close to each other. And so I'm getting confused as to who's who. And, and I made it through and it was good, but I mean, it's not a Robert Jordan size slog, but it's definitely a slog. <laughs> wow. It's true. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> Can I tell a Robert Jordan story? Yes, yes please. Tracy, you should finish your point, and then I have a good um, Robert Jordan story. I was basically just going to say, I like the way that Peter Jackson tells me those stories more than I necessarily liked the way Tolkien did. But if I went back and read them now, I'd probably enjoy them more. So, but yes, Robert Jordan. Well, as part of my involvement in Tolkien fandom, I became the track, the program director, the track director of 
the Tolkien track, which no longer exists, which I'm mad about, uh, in Dragon Con in Atlanta, which is a fairly big convention. It's not mm-hmm. it's not San Diego Comic Con, but it's really prominent, heavy into cosplay. It's pretty cool. So there I was introducing my guests or doing a panel. I think I was actually doing my own panel. That's when you're the program director, you just schedule yourself. It's pretty <laughs> cool. Uh, anyway, uh, after us was Robert Jordan, who's now died, of course, but right. he had not died <laughs> at the time. So not I don't yet. know what he was doing there, but I introduced myself as Robert Jordan to start off my panel. <laughs> and then made a joke about how, however, I will finish this panel, unlike Robert Jordan and his books. Oh. And people in the audience were like, yo, like pointing that he's right there. And I just wanted to die, melt oh. in my chair. This, this story just keeps getting worse. Even as you say, I just wanted to die after you said Robert Jordan wasn't oh, going to finish. I wanted to, uh, to, before I could finish the sentence, I can't, no. Um, I, because people were pointing at him, I was able to be like, Oh, hey, I and I did like Robert Jordan and respect him for his world building. But so I was able to like verbally kind of dig my way out a little bit. Just kidding, but man. That was I was like, I only mentioned him because he's here and he's so great and we all love his things. Like, I, it, but it was boy, that was one of the worst. <laughs> More than my foot in my mouth, like my whole leg up to my hip in my own mouth. It was terrible. <laughs> So where do you guys kind of sit on, um, do you, are, is everyone on this panel pretty happy with the cinematic versions of love the movies of Hobbit and Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Hobbit. Not so much. The Hobbit I've got issues with. Um, What are your issues, Tracy? I mean, with the Hobbit, not in general. (laughs) That's a whole other We don't have time for in general, but for the (laughs) Hobbit, I think we could cover it. The, the Hobbit just shouldn't have been three movies, in yeah. my opinion. There's there's not enough material there. Um, I I don't feel like Peter Jackson's heart was in it as much. I feel like he kind of felt obligated to do those films. And Larry, tell me if I'm wrong. You've met him. You were on set. But to me, it just didn't have that same kind of passion. I enjoyed it. them so much. And I'm kind of I'm kind of really in an alternate universe. There is a there is a version where Guillermo del Toro got to direct those, those films. And that I would it's, love to see. It, but. It's Tracy's Guier- Guillermo del Toro. He wants him to direct everything. <laughs> he just want- well, There's this target commercial. He really wants Guillermo, really del Toro wants Guillermo for to direct. Yeah. I might be on team Tracy. On this <laughs> We're Thank not you, against Larry. Guillermo del Toro, but we feel like Tracy's throwing him around like the, the whore baths that you were well, taking. Everybody like else's just- name dropping. You've got oh, yes, Steven. people that they've You've met. Steven. <laughs> I've never met Steven. You just think I have because I say his name. <laughs> Which Steven? Spielberg. Spielberg. <laughs> the Steven. I've seen him. I've seen good? him too, but I've never I was met at the him. same party as him one time. No, no, I've never been like, that close. I'm not allowed. I got to go to more parties with Larry. Right. Yeah, just going to hang out with Larry from now on. Oh, that was at the King Kong premiere party in New York City. And, uh, I did talk to George Lucas and he did not talk to me back. He just looked at me and it was pretty, it was as bad as it sounds. Why have I never heard this story? I mean, I just said, but I just said what every fan who ever, ever meets him said, which was like, 
your movies were so important to me when I was eight years old or something. And he just looked at me like, like right. it, it wasn't, wasn't. And um, the kind of the rule is, right, if you're invited to the same party that someone else is invited to, it's probably appropriate to like talk to them. Sure. Yeah. But, but I think the thing was, yeah. you're not eight anymore. And so you don't like his work now. I didn't say that. But right, but <laughs> right, but like you're like that's like going up to someone like a famous celebrity and saying, yeah. "My mom really loves you." Yeah. Yeah. Well, but what? But what about you? Because yeah. you're standing right here. Well, no, me not so much. But my mom. Something about his beard or like. Or asked him what he thought about the film that he just always watched had that you guys a nice just beard. Saw together. I really yeah, like. Well, you could have I'm asked good. him where his neck went. I don't know. <laughs> So speaking of George Lucas, I, I have similar <laughs> feelings about The Hobbit as I do about the Star Wars prequels. And, I want to bring that up. And and that is when the prequels came out, I, I was severely disappointed. Phantom Menace I saw probably more than I really should have in the theater just because I was so I mean, excited that there twice? was another Star Wars movie. More than you should have twice? <laughs> yeah, we, uh, it was more than twice. But That's, that's but, my should have for sure. <sighs> But as I've gotten older, the prequels don't bother me as much as they used to. And I think The Hobbit is similar for me in that, like, when it came out, I was, I agree, Tracy, I don't know that it needed to be three movies. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it doesn't have the same appeal to me that the Lord of the Rings trilogy does. However, I don't mind sitting down and watching it. If it's on, I'm not going to be like, oh, Hobbit, change the channel or whatever. I'm going to probably watch and and it's okay. It still feels like Middle Earth, but it doesn't feel the same as Lord of the Rings, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. I'm really interested, Val. You said you really liked the Hobbit films. I want to know what you like. Tell me. I mean, not in any. I'm not criticizing. <laughs> and I also I'm, like the prequels. So Val likes movies yeah. that suck. I just um, did the prequels suck. That's not what I said. <laughs> you have said uh, it many times before. Um, <laughs> then I have two things that Listen. I got to get out. Okay, go. No, no, after, after you okay. tell us about I, the home. Well, I wanted to say, too, is I also think that Star Wars fans and fans of Lord of the Rings and Hobbit are very similar in that they have giant expectations yeah. that that I think are kind of lame. Um, I, I think this is my this is my topic, and I'm going to bring it up, too, because um, and I'm going to go ahead and plug our website uh, because my uh, review for the Batman is mm -hmm. on the website today. Um, and I kind of talk about this in my review is that it's okay for things to not be exactly the way that you think they are, or they should be. You may not always click with it because you have a connection to it, but it might click with someone else, which makes it just as good. So like, just because yeah. some one Batman isn't for me, the fact that it's going to be for a whole bunch of other people that maybe weren't fans before that makes me feel happy that new people are going to like what I like. So with the Hobbit movies, I read the Hobbit so much. And I've talked about this on the show, mm -hmm. like in elementary school, I checked out the Hobbit so much that the lady was like, you need to give someone else a chance <laughs> and gave me the Lord of the Rings to read. And then when I was done with that, um, it was like fifth grade. Um, I came back months, months later, <laughs> it took me a while. Um, and I went to get the Hobbit again and nobody's name was under my name that was on there like five times on the little card for you kids that don't I understand this. 
when yes. we, when we were in school, you had to write mm -hmm. your name on a library card. <laughs> um, and so for me, I was like sad that in the whole time that I was out discovering something else that no one had mm. discovered what I, that felt like home to me. Mm -hmm. So the Hobbit movies brought that feeling back and it wasn't exactly how I remember the books being, but the fact that it was so successful and it brought so many new fans to oh, sure. actually open those books is I think what I love so much about it. But those characters meant so much to me that I didn't care. It's just like another Star Wars movie or another Marvel movie. Like, I don't care what story you're giving me as long as I get the chance to see the people that I love on screen and I can escape with that. So to me, I, I didn't go in thinking I needed it to be a certain way. I was just, I'm so excited that I was given the medium mm -hmm. and the opportunity to watch it. So that's why I, I'm not a great film critic <laughs> <laughs> I find something good in almost everything that I watch, which is almost exactly the opposite of what most film critics are out there to it's do. True. Yeah, we need more from film critics that do that, though. Um, uh, gosh, so now I want to comment on that, but it's terribly off topic. No, do it. That's what. Wow, I'm not, that's... There's again, there's no rules, so do <laughs> it. There's. Uh, I really enjoy film criticism, which uh, there's not these days. The, maybe the heyday of film criticism is over. It kind of, yeah. In some ways, died by Metacritic, you mm -hmm. know, um, because now we score things according to the conglomerate. Um, it, and, and no critic is expected, you're not expected to agree with them, right? You just expect them to be consistent. So, mm -hmm. Val, you are consistent. I know I can read your views and I can know your taste. And, and it doesn't have to be the same as my taste because I understand you through your writing, okay. so that mm -hmm. I can make a good decision about the movie. So that's what a film critic does. Um, but I think you make a very good point in that most film critics, they see hundreds of films in a year, right? Um, and Joe Average- 125 last year. Well, okay, so perfect. Mm -hmm. That's And Joe Average sees, or Jane Average, or Judy Average, sees, I don't know, 10 maybe? So- the expectation and the experience are wildly different. Yeah. Um, they, they're like, yay, Transformers, show me explosions. And then I, I don't see 300 films a year, but I see a lot. And, and when I'm like, oh, Transformers, explosions, like that does nothing for me. So mm -hmm. a film critic, I think these days, be, and there are way more films than there used to be too, right? But it, you, don't relate to an audience very well, which you do, Val, right? Yes. Yep. And so that's a, I think that's actually a strength because your average film critic is, he's seen it all or she's seen it all before, the, but the audience hasn't seen it all necessarily. Yeah. I mm -hmm. probably see a lot of it now because of streaming services. Well, I, I like what you said about having a consistent voice because, yeah, it's, it's, it, that to me is, I like if I back in the day, I used to occasionally turn on the movie show with Doug Wright on KSL radio, little plug for you there, Larry. Um, but, he, was sitting, he was sitting right behind me in the Batman three seats over. But my, my, my feeling was if Doug Wright hated a movie, that was a movie that I wanted to go see. Yeah. That's how I feel about most. You're like, that's how I feel about most things on rotten tomatoes. I've applied yeah. to be a rotten tomato critic three times now because I feel like, 
my voice isn't on Rotten Tomatoes. Like every time mm -hmm. I, I see what a score is on Rotten Tomato, I usually know I'm going to think the opposite most of the time of that mm -hmm. score. Um, so I don't know. I mean, we're, yeah, we are a little off topic with, you if, know, how if, to. If you've applied to be on Rotten Tomatoes multiple times and been declined, have you ever really applied if you haven't posted about it on Facebook to let everybody know <laughs> that they rejected you multiple times? I'm just asking. For a friend. Really You're asking for a friend. So, Larry, you had two things that you wanted to say before Val made her comments. And I and I want to hear what your thoughts are on The Hobbit. Well, <sighs> The Hobbit is really hard for me to talk about in, in a critical way. And and I don't mean a, you know, I don't, I don't mean I can't criticize it. I can. Right. But I mean, like, my objectivity is ruined, right? Because... Mm -hmm. I watch a scene yeah. and I'm like, oh yeah, it's that thing when he did that thing, it, and um, and I'm I, I don't hang out with him, McKellen, and he's not on my phone. But some of the dwarves level actors are, and mm -hmm. um, the the kid who played Bane, um, mm -hmm. the son of I'm forgetting, but <laughs> I just forgot Bard, Bard's son. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like we're close. I'm close with his family, right? Mm -hmm. Like like so I and and plus. Pete Jackson invited me to hang out on set and let me fall around for a day right, and let me in the right. director's tent. And so what I think of The Hobbit is irrelevant, honestly. Uh, I mean, I'm the last person who can talk about that. Like, like go ask the sound guy how the film is and he tell you how great the sound is and he's not wrong, yeah. but the, you know, whatever. Um, but the thing I wanted to talk about really that I can't pass up is Guillermo del Toro. Mm. And, that one to make Tracy happy, and two because like it's my best name drop ever, maybe even better than Ian McKellen. Yeah, I'm excited. And uh, and three, Tracy made a really interesting observation, and then somebody asked a question: Was wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Would would you would you repeat that, please? Oh, stop, Tracy! Uh, it doesn't happen I'm... very often. Tracy <laughs> made a very interesting observation: Should The Hobbit have been three films? So we've talked yeah. a lot about the website, which they kind of retired me, by the way. So I, I mean, a lot of my friends still do that, but they were like, you're kind of out to pasture, dude. I think I'm a staffer emeritus now. And, <laughs> and I felt pretty bad about that. Like, oh, my friend, I went through this hard time and my friend, whatever. but it turns out life's better. Actually, I have more free time and I can work on my own creative stuff. So I'm like, here comes the Amazon news cycle. And I'm like, yeah, I have a lot to say about that too. Which we um, definitely need to get to. We might have to do two parts. <laughs> so, Guillermo del Toro came to this website that we, that I've mentioned ten times, and came on the message boards, and we were uh, a discussion had sprung up about um, who should play the title character, the Hobbit, and I advocated pretty hard for Martin Freeman. And because, and it wasn't my idea, but when somebody said that, I'm like, that's the guy. Like, it seems mm -hmm. so obvious to me. And like, he's the best guy. And so Guillermo saw that. And so he said, you know, we talked a little bit, exchanged a message or two. And he, he said, when you get to Comic-Con, um, San Diego, are you coming? Yes. Come see me. I'm doing the signing at this time and just come to the table and tell them you're here. So I did as Guillermo del Toro instructed. Cause that's what one does. Mm -hmm. And uh, the guy at the table was like, what? 
And I'm like, just go tell him Larry's here. So it was right at the end of his signing, and he comes out of this back room and Larry and hugs me and takes me into the back room. And uh and he he said, I'm gonna tell you something, but I, you can't tell anyone except I'm gonna tell you now because it's like 10 years later, right? Something yeah. Like uh-huh. And so I'm he was he said, Who do you think should be the hobbit? And I was like, Martin Freeman. So he's like, All right, here's who it is. But if you tell anyone, I'll know because no one is going to tell it. So he whispers that Martin Freeman is going to be the Hobbit in my ear. And I'm just like, that cannot be true. Like, it's like the dream come true. It was, in fact, true. And Guillermo was super excited to direct those films. Yeah. There were many delays on the studio level. Mm -hmm. They were going to be two films. And we talked in that same back room about where they were going to be divided. And another colleague, another co-volunteer of mine his name is cliff who's a good friend he was in that room too cliff was smart enough to follow me to the guillermo del toro table and got pulled in as well so uh we talked about where the middle of those films would be so you smart people do you guys have a, a spot where you think that should have been it's okay if you don't I'm Writers, not. i don't know uh guillermo's it where the first one ends and just not do the third movie Uh, i think i all i got was a twinkle in the eye from guillermo but i said it's got to be barrels out of bond it's when they Mm. either are just have escaped from the elves in the barrels that's the end of film two and then everything because it totally changes in tone and the Mm stakes are higher and everything else and i think that would have been two kind of great movies yeah totally honest um there i have evangeline lily was another person who was super good to me like really nice would go mm-hmm. out of her way at a press conference to be like yo larry in the third row um andy circus who was the the second unit director was also like incredible to me like pretended that he needed my help one day and we're like we really are going to need you to be an extra in this part and like they obviously didn't need me to be anything but he was just being gracious <laughs> Um, so all these people were really nice to me, but Guillermo del Toro would have made a amazing, very, very, very different and not at yeah. all in conjunction with Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings films, not at all, but they would have been pretty amazing. And I did get Hobbiton when they were still in the process of kind of moving Guillermo's, not moving, but growing out his vision, which mm-hmm. was like crooked fences and Hobbiton, like a skew, like not the peaceful symmetrical harmonious hobbit that we all see on film it would have been weird and a little scary and it would have felt funny and i saw one i also (sighs) richard taylor one day i finally had permission from i had been to the workshop but not in the workshop right big difference Uh now i have warner brothers blessing so richard's like here's a pass key have at it man so i got to go wherever i wanted anywhere wow. in what workshop which is as wow cooler don't tell pete but cooler than being on the hobbit set honestly <laughs> well it was the coolest like you, Larry, we don't talk to pete so we're not going to show no, no, that you not said anymore. and no. pete doesn't send Unless- cards, <laughs> Christmas cards but i'm forever grateful like i can never repay that debt and it's there that i was like oh these people who make films are a lot like me maybe i better make films but um I saw one, one leftover design in that in that workshop of a troll that was Guillermo del Toro's. 
It was drastically, drastically different than the trolls that we see in the Lord of the Rings movies mm -hmm. and in the Hobbit movies. Um, there's a, do you guys care? Is that good enough? Yeah. Have a little detail. No, no, yeah, bring it on, man. There's bring legends of like trolls that carry things on their back and really heavy. Mm -hmm. So this particular troll was really bent over and burdened by what he was carrying around, which looked resembled a house. Like he was oh, interesting. Sort of carrying this big house and he was pretty grotesque and just awkward. And, and, and Tracy, maybe this is where your love of Guillermo comes from. It certainly is mine, but he loves monsters like that's yeah. sort of the root of things for him like what crazy monsters can we make and um and they would have had some crazy troll crazy ass troll monsters and all kinds of wild things in the hobbit movies in some alternative universe if you believe in those things there. those films exist if we can just, just gotta figure, figure out how to get through the multiverse and go I've find seen Spider-Man No Way Home right. eight times in the theater, so I believe in other universes. Doctor Strange is the key to us seeing the yes. Del Toro two-part Hobbit film. So all five, not, all five of the Doctor Stranges that are in the new movie. It's we, in the same, it's in the same universe as Sinbad Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> we need to hang out with Larry because then he'll introduce us to Benedict Cumberbatch. Therefore, we have access to Doctor Strange, then we get the multiverse. You, I've met all those people, and uh, I have my contacts are dried up, man. They, they, you know, they don't return. I don't make phone calls. Actually, that's the secret. <laughs> I never bothered them. <laughs> Aside from some dwarf actors, I don't have any association with those dudes. So I don't know what my other thing was, but that was the one thing I had to get out before. Hmm. We so we and, haven't gotten at all to the series, and we're an hour in. I'm good to keep going. I mean, listen, we're talking about Lord of the Rings, which are three, four-hour-long movies, followed by The Hobbit, which is another three, three-hour-long, four-hour-long movies, and a series that's going to be super long. If we go over an hour, I think we're okay. I mean, our fan You're the boss, so I just wanted to check in with the boss. I'm the boss? Oh, I think it's funny that you let people think that I'm in charge of anything on this show. <laughs> I'm not. Who's in charge of this? Right, no We've been None thinking you were the whole time. Takes <laughs> a figurehead. So should we jump into the show? I don't. I have really stayed out of really spending a whole lot of time learning about the new TV show. I just had the studios send me over, you know, like before they uh, um, put the trailer up on Amazon, they sent mm -hmm. it to me. I was in Alaska. I didn't watch it. Um, I still haven't watched it. Um, so where is everybody at as far as the series and what you're thinking? Um, and should I watch the trailer or should I just go in cold to the series? Like, I'm deferring. I, I don't know that the trailer gives away a whole lot that I, mm -hmm. I think you can watch it and, and be okay. And you're not going to. And I think part of the reason why is these aren't stories that we're familiar with because right. the age that they're writing about, they don't have the rights to any of the stuff that Tolkien wrote. And so they've got to make up their own stories based mm -hmm. on what they do have, which is my understanding, the appendices and. Uh, that's it. That's, yeah, that's, that's it. it. Stop. Yeah. The appendices. Yeah. yeah. So. But what's uh, like the tone of like, does it feel like anything we, that we recognize from any of the movies? Um, it, it looks like high fantasy. Um, there wasn't anything in the trailer that I was like, okay, I'm in. I mean, I'll, I'll check them out. I'll watch them. 
but there's nothing that's come out yet where I'm like, it's, it hasn't grabbed me. Yeah. It wasn't like when you saw Pattinson in, in the Batman and you were like, Oh, <laughs> actually it was more of Matt Reeves as the director of the Batman that I was interested in. But, um, but, but I mean, like when I saw the first trailer for fellowship of the ring, I was like, I am a hundred percent. I am there opening night. I'm in. So the first thing I saw from Lord of the Rings was, was on the infant internet interwebs at the time was a picture of the, the riders, the black riders uh-huh. in the river. And I was like, that's it. I don't care. Like take my money now. <laughs> and, and I haven't seen anything from the series that makes me feel that way, but I mm. like, it looks like a high budget, high fantasy series. The difference is when Lord of the Rings came out, nobody had done a high budget, high budget, high fantasy, anything like this. And now there's a crap ton everywhere. Mm -hmm. And since Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, now Wheel of Time, and now Mm -hmm. this new Lord of the Rings series, like it's just another one. Do you think that it's too late? For this, do you think they should have done it years ago? I don't think it's too late. Um, but I'm with Jake. There's nothing here that screams unique to me. There's nothing like we get a really young Galadriel. Um, but but yeah, they're, they're it, it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to come down. I to can't wait for what Larry has to say. <laughs> because there was like there was a Vanity Fair article and I, I stumbled on it after Larry posted it. And it, it's a very, um, it gives kind of a glowing, rosy picture of everything. Um, because Amazon paid them good money to do. Uh, yeah, yeah. And exclusive it, it was their promotion. And, right? Oh, yeah. 100% promotion. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't journalistic at all. But that's everything right. that's come out far. It's all pure. I mean, yeah. they had they had a, a video, a YouTube video of super fans reacting to the trailer. And they were not super fans they were influencers from tiktok that they had paid to be here and then gave them a script of what to say and you could tell that's what it was Mm -hmm. and to me i feel like okay are they pushing this too hard and should i be worried because they're pushing it too hard because this is almost a property that should sell itself all you have to do is just not mess it up and you're going to get the fan base there right maybe i don't i don't know I well, want to hear what Larry has to say because I feel like he's he's holding back. Yeah. There's something. <laughs> yes, unleash. Well, let's. This is not the most important thing, but it cannot not be said, right? So there's young, quote marks, young Galadriel and young Elrond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Let's just I don't know the exact dates. This is where we need Colbert, but uh-huh. let's just say Galadriel's three thousand years old in Lord right. of the Rings, right? So they've gone back in age where she might be like, I don't know, 2,000 years old? Yeah. Well, they cast someone who is 20, right? Yeah. Because because you're going to look 20 when you're 2,000 years old? <laughs> and they call her young. It's the story of the young Gladriel, who's hundreds or thousands of years old. Yeah. Like, that to me is like, what? And Elrond the same. I could have just yeah. used Elrond instead of Gladriel well, for everything. And I they said. describe him as what like an aspiring political kind of character and i'm like dude at this point he's already in charge elrond was in charge for a long like he was important for a long time like like it would be okay to make these key players be 40 or 
35 or 50 mm-hmm. or whatever, because whatever. So that's, that's not important. Right. And I'm sure the actor, we do hear Gladriel's voice, by the way, Val, that's what, yeah. if you listen to the trailer, that's Gladriel, which again, this is not important, but to me, that feels like fan service hundred percent where somebody said, that. you know, we hear Gladriel in the prologue of the Lord of the Rings movies. So right. the person is Gladriel in the, in the first opening sequence of the trailer. But I, I mean, is that really a bad thing? Because I know well, that a lot of Star Wars fans are angry at some of the Star Wars movies because there's a lot of fan service there. Because there is there is a big thing that these movies and these TV shows have to do, and they have to bring in their fans, and they have to get a following, and they have to make people feel like they're going to see the characters that they love. So, like, I don't... I'm okay so with a little what, fan service if it makes sense. It, I was maybe going to disagree. And when you said, if it makes sense, now I agree. Um, But you have all of middle earth, the whole second age of middle earth, and you can pick any character in your pantheon of characters to be the most interesting narrative voice. And no one recognizes her voice because it's not Kate. Right. Right. So so they pick the same character and she's not the character. Right. She's not. And I think, Right. I think what it did for me as a fan is is what you just said. I immediately thought that's not Kate Blanchett. Like that's no. not my Galadriel. And that's yeah. that's awful. I don't want to not give the actress a shot or anything like that, but that's my, because they use the same character doing the same kind of prologue. I'm like that's not that's not my Lord of the Rings. Right. And we would give the we will give the character a chance, yes. right? Sure. Absolutely. But don't don't sell me that that this is great because it's the same. No, sell me because you've got an amazing story to tell. Mm -hmm. Um, And one thing that's really important, and you kind of just said it, Jake, but The Lord of the Rings is not a story. It's a book. And they have rights to what's between the front page and the last page of that book. And they're not going to the Peter Jackson portion, which is like 98% of it. They're going to the other 150 pages, you know, 50 of which are like, um, so-and-so begat so-and-so and begat so-and-so just straight out of the Bible. So the the things that are in there are, are thin. They're spread thin. Um, in interest of time, I just nitpick two things. I have great hope that the that this series is amazing. I want it to be great. Mm-hmm. I want to love it. And I'm, I'm ready to embrace it. But I have seen nothing. Well, a couple of problems. One, we're like, six months away and we just got our first taste of it. We saw our first yeah. fellowship of the ring teaser, like a year ahead of time. And they mm-hmm. weren't even close to being finished. Um, so that's, but did they have COVID. <laughs> well, they, they filmed a good portion pre COVID. So yeah, they, but you still got to edit and you got to do different I, things. I, I you can edit all day long, all by yourself in an editing room. Like there's no social aspect to that. They, I, they have very intentionally, very intentionally. There is no room for any kind of error with Larry on this one. Well, they, I, they I, on I, purpose shut fans out and kept them at arm's length and kept everything quiet. And I will go into more detail, but I just cut Jake off. So sorry. Oh, no. I was just wondering how much of that had to do with the wheel of time series, both the timing and in that they wanted to give it a shot to kind of stand on its own, not in the shadow of the Lord of the Rings, but also the fan reaction of the wheel of time series, because man, it's been a rough year for me, Larry. I'm a fan of wheel of time. I was excited for the wheel of time series on Amazon. 
And I just had to listen to those fans on the internet rip each other apart because of everything and all the 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 agendas. I won't mm-hmm. use yeah. their terminology. But I just agendas. thought it was boring. Did anybody well, else think it was boring? I liked it. Yeah, it I, I enjoyed the series. But I, I had to listen to that. And now I get to go through it with all my Lord of the Rings, <laughs> you know, sites that I'm You a know part what you can everything. do is get off the internet. I, I, How do you do that in this day and age? So, but, but, <laughs> but that's where I'm wondering if part of why they slowed down is because of some of the, the, the pushback that they received from what they released about Wheel of Time ahead of, t- ahead of time. Uh, and right. now they wanted to be more cautious with Lord of the Rings. I don't know. Can I can I open my can of whoop ass now? Yes, yes. Unless it's on me, in which case, no, I mean, not. you still can. It's, I, as is, long as that's the only swear word you say. Oh, oh, are we? Are we? Can, this is a family me, show. We're PG. Be family friendly. We're PG thirteen minus the one F word. You can't open your can of whoop bottom. Uh, <laughs> that would be P. You can still. You the delivery. Fine. The delivery was just mwah. With an asterisk by it. Sir. Sir. Here's the thing. I have not had good inside info about the Amazon series for a year or maybe a little longer than that. But I had really good inside info because I know that I've made acquaintances with some actors, but I made good friends with makeup people and set builders and set designers and art departments and special effects guys. And by the way, Weta, you think they're, they're a workshop, What they really are is a secret keeping machine. That's actually what Weta does better than anything. They keep their secrets. No one. So no one in Weta ever talked to me about anything. Well, we just except think they workshop. That's what they tell us. To the place to run around. It was cool. Um, but I had a really good inside source that was telling me how everything was going. Um, the idea was that we were going to write a big story about it at some point, and we didn't. We never did. But um, from day one, Jake, to directly answer your question, the secrecy was was top priority. And I, I'm not casually saying top priority. I'm saying that was the priority. So nobody knew what anyone else was doing to to. I was told, again, this person could have an agenda, right? Like they could mm-hmm. just be some angry person, but to the detriment of the production. So that Department A had no idea what the costume department was doing, and the costumes oh, had no wow. idea what des- like a different design was doing or what the set builders were doing. So it was all like secret. And this is confirmed. The actors were told, you're in the production, but we don't want to tell you what role you've landed. So... We'll tell you later. And the purpose for that was to get BTS cameras in their face when they finally learned their part, which is super awkward if you're not very happy about the casting decision <laughs> or if you don't like it. It's setting up actors in a super uncomfortable yeah. Yeah. situation. And and some actors, if you just check your Amazon history, left. Some very notable, some of their highest profile actors were like, see ya. That's a bad sign, no matter yeah. what. Like mm-hmm. high profile people leaving a career making high paying ongoing work in Hollywood job. And they were like, mm-hmm. no, thanks. Uh, that's troubling. The other troubling aspect to me is that they, they kept saying the people from the Lord of the Rings are bringing you these films, but there were no department heads. There were no like 
like they were it was Los Angeles production, unlike the Lord of the Rings films, unlike the Hobbit films, in New Zealand, but run by LA, run by Hollywood. And then they oh, you were the costume designer on Hobbit or Lord of the Rings? Yeah, you can come sew for us. That was sort of the the way that they were wow. bringing in people that were supposedly the people that made Lord of the Rings. And if you read all the press releases that Amazon put out, especially early, they mentioned Peter Jackson like five times and Lord of the Rings movies like five times. They tried to create a real perception of togetherness. They, I think they've stopped doing that now. Like mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen that for kind a of all stopped. Yeah. So that's troubling. And then uh, they might be the most brilliant guys in the world, but the two showrunners have run exactly zero things, not a mm-hmm. short film in the 48 hour film festival. Not what? nothing. Yeah. So they, I they, could have worked on this show. No, you, you could have been showrunners, show runners, Val. You, you probably give me a billion. We haven't seen it yet. I was going to say you probably would have done better, but we haven't seen it, so who knows? <laughs> we have no uh, idea. I feel pretty confident that if you gave me five hundred million dollars, <laughs> alternate budget, universe, Val and Larry directed the Lord of the Rings Amazon series. We wouldn't direct it. That's not showrunners. I mean. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not ready to direct. I wouldn't be worthy of that. But I could put the right people in charge. I yeah. guarantee you that. I could build a team that could have made a hell of a great Amazon series. Um, recently, they were like Amazon was in the in that I think in that article that we mentioned the Vanity Fair like. We searched everywhere for the right people. And I'm like, no, you didn't. I was right here. No one called me one time. <laughs> yeah. No one called Larry or Tracy. Yeah. Or you. This team right here. I'll take That's this right. super group. Um, so there's a lot of kind of troubling things. The fact that nothing was given out until photos recently. And that and that I wouldn't want a full trailer, but a teaser trailer would have been like helpful or some just some production photos like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Were mentioned would have been really great before now there was a shot of a waterfall in the trailer i'm not i'm not being funny like i thought what a great shot that is it was a waterfall yeah. that might not be the greatest sign either like <laughs> some character might be a cooler thing i'm i'm pleased i'm really pleased that there's a, a like a diversity in the series yes. and i know some fans have been upset about that and i'm just here to tell you like we are way past that age yeah if, if you are if you're worried about the the race or gender of a fictional yeah. character well yeah. it, it, and the struggle <laughs> the struggle is anytime that you're trying to sit here and tell me like this is not what the author would have intended or this or that or whatever especially when you're talking about a book or a series that came out you know over half a century ago like Maybe. times Maybe. have changed uh-huh. we have changed and so whatever whatever mindset that they had back then there was a lot of stuff that probably wouldn't be acceptable today. Like, thank goodness Tolkien doesn't have a Twitter account because there'd be a lot of Tolkien fans that are not Tolkien fans, you know, because just you you think what's acceptable and socially and everything else was totally different. And, and we've evolved since then. So I, like I have, I have no issues with the diversity that that's in that I've seen. I think it's a great thing. Um, I will take a pretty hard line here. I am not a Tolkien scholar, but I have read a lot and read a lot about a lot. And he, Tolkien mentions, mentions that the elves are fair and Mm -hmm. very much means beautiful, not white. Mm -hmm. He does mention some blonde elves and some fair skinned elves when referring to a particular character. And I'm, and I actually agree with you. It would be okay if, 
even if he had explicitly said elves are always white, it would still be okay to change it. But he yeah. did not say that ever. Right. It never right. says that. So mm-hmm. there is zero problem with uh, ethnic diversity. And it's, it, I, I would think if Tolkien had lived these 50 years beyond being old already, that his, um, it doesn't matter what I think, what Tolkien yeah. would have thought, but I don't think it would be a big deal. It's not a deal breaker. Right. And, right. and any fan who is worried that someone's not white needs to examine the relationship with whiteness. And mm-hmm. I'm like, sorry if that's controversial or too political for your podcast, but no, you're I, I, on the skin pigment and it's not okay. I've recast <laughs> the movies and I recast them with a diverse cast mm-hmm. of people that I would have loved to see in the originals. I think the originals could have had a diverse cast. It just didn't turn out that. And I'm not saying yeah. I don't like the cast, but. Right, right. That is one thing watching the movies again as we. Um, in preparation to talk about them because we've talked about them so much on this episode. Um, but um, <laughs> it's, it's fine. guess what? I don't care. It was an excuse to watch the movies, but watching them now and seeing the casting for the new series, it does stand out how white the original cast mm-hmm. was. And, yeah. and the, and what's shown now as we've gotten the wheel of time series and now as Amazon shown a lot of the casting for Lord of the Rings is there is very much in the fantasy genre this idea that all of the main characters fit that description. And when you read the books, that's not always the case. Yeah. Anyway. Well, we, we got through Even that. If it is. It doesn't like matter. Decades ago with Shakespeare, like decades ago, that, that was all settled. Like that's not, yeah. we shouldn't even be having this discussion, but I agree. Is, there is very unfortunately a, we, we've alluded to it. There's a toxic element of fandom that, and, and unfortunately social media seems to amplify mm-hmm. that is like, we got to do better as, mm-hmm. as nerds, nerds need to do better. And humans, humans, need humans to do better. And, yeah. and traditionally, like, I, I mean, now being a nerd is kind of cool, but when it wasn't, um, such groups were really welcoming to people who were on the outcast of society or on the fringes. And Mm -hmm. it's really too bad if that goes away. So yeah. Now that we've become more mainstream, it's easier to, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Turn on our own. Yeah. So uh, I'm really hopeful that the Amazon series is great and I'm, no one is cheering harder, but from all of the things that I know from my inside source, it might be a complete, train wreck and i do know that there was a press release about this and and i blew my mind that it didn't make there's a press release about hey we filmed some episodes and we're moving right along and blah blah blah. and then about halfway down it says and by the way we've trashed those first two episodes and we've started over which is it's really in there yeah it's really in there it's like black and white in the press release so whatever they did they tossed it away and rebooted in in mid production. So I feel like everything I've heard about what has been said about this Lord of the Rings series is exactly how the United States told us in the middle of the pandemic that there were aliens and nobody cared. <laughs> like still, like why does nobody care no. that no. our government admitted that there are aliens in the middle of Trump and pandemic and social justice, all these things. I feel like this is the Lord of the Rings series. Like they pretty much told us that it's probably going to be a train wreck. Nobody's paying attention. There's a uh, person living in your chimney, but don't worry. 
But they did spend a lot of money, and I'm and they, oh, by the way, the production has now moved away from New Zealand. Yeah, uh, I heard so that it's too. Now in England, which is maybe healthy, right? Maybe it's maybe it's good to have a change. I I don't feel that they had to have every person the same, and I don't feel they have to like be slaves to what Peter Jackson did. Right. Um, the the thing we hope for is that when how we feel mm-hmm. that we feel like this seems appropriate for Middle Earth. That's mm-hmm. like that's really what we yeah. need. Just I think we've feeling. we've seen it over and over. We've seen. I'm going to bring it up again, like so many different Batman movies and we've seen Mm -hmm. so many, you know, I don't want to see another one of the same movies. I want this show to be good because they're making the show that they're making. They're not trying to make someone else's movie. DC has proved that over and over. If they would Mm -hmm. just make the movies that they're supposed to make and not try and be Marvel and not try and be whatever. So I think if this series just tries to make the series it's trying to make instead of well and 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 what it sounds like is it's along with it sounds like it's kind of an identity crisis right where mm-hmm. you know on the yeah. one hand they're saying we don't want to be what peter jackson did we want to be our own thing and on the other hand but we don't want to stray too far from it listen i don't want you to be in the middle either try to be what peter jackson and his vision was and off of that and continue that or don't. like we talk about what you saw with that troll design from guillermo del toro like that excites me because that would have been his vision and i would have loved that if somebody said okay i'm not peter jackson and this isn't going to be peter jackson's hobbit this is my hobbit this isn't peter jackson's movie. lord of the rings this isn't a prequel to peter jackson's right. lord of the rings this is in middle earth yes but it's our vision of it mm-hmm. yeah have the guts to make it. the show that you said you were yeah. gonna make right yeah read the material get what you get out of it really work focus on that script like really work that script especially mm-hmm. when with the pandemic sitting there like have we got the characters right have we nailed dialogue have we got the setting do we have a good arc for our characters are we telling the story efficiently are we telling it right do we have we can storyboard for ages because we're in the pandemic like have we Previous, really yeah. prepared have we done everything we can do have we got yeah. figured out do we know like that's how you make a good series not by Right in the fence between Peter Jackson, not Peter Jackson, and yeah, and secrecy is not also the key to being good, right? Like, right. That's Tom the, Holland is not see- keeping any secrets. <laughs> and well, they don't tell him anything successful. anymore. He's he's kind of the other extreme where they just don't tell him anything. Well, that was one thing going back to the Wheel of Time series when when Rafe Judkins was put in charge of that, he was super excited about it, and you saw pictures from the sets. You saw he he was on Twitter all the time talking about what they were doing. And it made people realize that he was excited about the source material. He was excited about the story that he was going to tell. And that made people buy in. Mm-hmm. And we've got none of that with the Lord of the Rings series. We've gotten nothing like that. And that's alarming for me as a fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, I fear the worst, but, but. I don't know what hope for the best. My source straight up, and maybe it will be amazing. My last real problem that came to light in the Vanity Fair article, one of mm-hmm. the great things they have is history. They have a huge span of history to work with, um, and they can plant seeds and plan seasons. And, like, my mind was like fireworks thinking of all the things they could do. They said in this 
like not journalism, but in this promotional piece in Vanity Fair, like we've contracted, you know, thousands of years into like a short period of time. And like you have immortal characters, like stop doing that. You can mm -hmm. use time as an ally and as a storytelling device. And they were like, yeah, just it needed to be that way for the story. And that's that gave me more than anything else. Huge pause. Like, no, it really didn't have to be that way. Like I can think of many successful storytelling enterprises where that was not that was <laughs> not the case but again haven't seen it don't know somebody right. could have had an axe to grind like who like you know my source isn't gospel truth and i don't think it is and and look somebody there might be just as brilliant as um they claim to be and they got the job and maybe they're gonna blow our socks off and i hope so yeah yeah i agree and I'm, I'm hoping for the best i don't want to pass any judgment i i will be there when the when the first episode drops, I will be there watching it and enjoying it. It it comes out what September twenty second, something like that. And it September and it'll sure. always, it'll it'll be like the day before at six p.m. because they go off of midnight GMT, whatever. So like, I will be there mm -hmm. and hoping for the best. I I just I think there are legitimate reasons to be concerned beyond yes. who they cast into what roles because yes. that doesn't matter. But there are legitimate things to be concerned about but I'm going to hold my breath and hope that it's great. Yeah. Sometimes well, that works out for me. Sometimes I know you're, I know your episode's super long, but would you be mad if I grabbed something and brought it on camera? No, no, Absolutely not. can you look at my ugly gray couch for a minute? <laughs> it's not going to be we, the wash while you're doing this. Or like just San Diego Comic-Con to wash yourself. Is it? We don't He's want to go do a whole wash part. Shower. If you know what I mean? <laughs> We should have asked him what he was going to bring on. We just That's assumed true. it's going to be like something epic, but it could be like his toothbrush. I don't even know. No, it's it's cool. It's cool. It's something cool. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Can I tell the story first? Yes, yes of course. Well, on set of The Hobbit, everybody was just like, oh, this the dwarves, the dwarves, the fat suits, the training, the swords, the armor, the makeup, the dwarves, the dwarves. So... I told you, they just told me, like, you request things if you want to have them. So I said, all I've heard about for three weeks is dwarves. I want to be made up as a dwarf so I can write about that experience. And so they said, okay, we'll do that. And so they made me up as a dwarf, start to finish the whole, like, four-hour process of wow. Um, wow. hair and makeup and prosthetics and swords and armor. And I have photos of all that that nobody has seen. And really no one cares about um including my own kids they're like eh, i want to see it <laughs> i was like i want to see that I, i'm um, thinking if this isn't a photo of you as a dwarf i'm going to be kind of disappointed the, yeah. the makeup people were rad tammy lane uh, i think won an academy award and then she oh and for the she almost she was nominated for academy awards for the hobbit for makeup which by the way, say whatever else you want about those movies. They should have won every makeup award. Like, oh yeah, for sure, off the charts. Anyway, I said, man, I they were taking my prosthetic off, and and I was like, man, it's too bad I can't keep that. And they were like, oh, well, here's the thing: we're gonna take this off, and we're gonna throw it like in that garbage can right there, and then we're all gonna look down there. And so <laughs> we don't know what happened to it after we threw it in the garbage can. So I, of course, took it. And that's what I wanted to show you. This is my. This is oh my, my god! That's so cool. <laughs> that is awesome. Scars and a giant nose and stuff. 
So that, that is, is awesome. That's my, cool, that's my one artifact. And then there was a day I got shown so many cool nerd things. And there was a day when I was all alone in a giant set and indoors in a soundstage. And all the coins of Middle Earth were there that the dwarves had. And Jed Brophy is known for stealing things because his character is a thief. And I had buckets of coins in front of me. And, and I was like, I just want a couple of these coins. <laughs> just like every other. <laughs> and I didn't I... take them. I, I felt like, you know, it would be like not honorable as a guest. I'm a guest here. And it wouldn't be right. honorable for me to yeah. take these coins. And I regret that so much. I should have stopped. <laughs> I mean, I you would have followed the, you would have followed the story, right? Yeah. I would have been like, <laughs> I'm a thief. Of course I should have done that. I really missed out. And they were all, hand, they weren't. They were, were they handmade. Chocolate? They were stamped by like which um, community made them. So there were some dwarf coins, and there were some Lake Town coins, and oh, they, like they were wow. all minted individually. And then they made them by hand in the art department because they didn't want to, you know, mass produce them and have them be crappy. So when wow. you see piles of coins, most of them, they, I guess there's background coins and hero coins. Like there are back, yeah. but they're like handmade, awesome. Anyway, that's my dwarf prosthetic. That's that's that awesome. So for one day, I was cool. That is epic. Before so just, we end this episode, can I like maybe I'm just lame and not cool? But what are you talking into? It looks like it's a, a, it's a blue snowball microphone. I've never. I yeah. don't. Okay. It had a stand, and the stand is gone. But I thought you deserved some okay audio quality. <laughs> it just—it looks like something from Star Wars. It totally like it should come Wars. up and come out of your hand, it's and then. It's, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, as soon as you're off air, I'm gonna set this thermal detonator off. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> well, wait, wait, wait. Let us come it. over and get the dwarf prosthetic first. Yeah. So that. And then if you want to set off the detonator, that's fine. I have a pretty nice collection of Tolkien books too. Like, Okay, well, we'll grab those too. And, then... and the photos that you're going to get killed for because you'll be dead already. So They're we'll on this computer everyone. right here. This hard drive. Well, now we know exactly what to get. <laughs> I, I legitimately have like 5,000 photos from my time wow. there. And I don't know what to do with them. They just sit on a hard drive. <sighs> that is, that's incredible. Uh, do a Dropbox link and we'll uh, check them out. We won't okay. post them anywhere. I don't think I'd get sued anymore. I, I mean, I was sworn to secrecy and I had signed that and I would respect it too because they were right. so good to me, right? But I don't think anyone cares now. And literally no one cares. Well, every once in a while, I'll put one on like Instagram or something, and people like mm -hmm. ho hum. They just yeah. nobody cares. I care. Valerie uh, cares. Yeah, we care. I yeah. mean, my, my fellow nerds might care, but not many of us, honestly, because you've all seen sets anyway. But what? Yeah, but I think is... you assume everybody gets to live a cool life like you. Yeah, <laughs> I like how you throw that around. Like, I mean, I like Google. Say, no. Like you, you guys Google. hang out with Ian McKellen all the time. Yeah, but I don't know right. the people on Google. I know you. Steven. <laughs> all right. We'll have a, share our photos. Okay. Uncle Uncle Larry's slideshow day or something. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Makes me feel that, weird. That sounds cool enough. Uncle Larry's slideshow day. We do need to give the services now. We do need to give Lord of the Rings a grade. That's what we do on the show. We so. do? Oh, okay. Well, I think it's going to be pretty unanimous. If it's not, I'm going to walk out. <laughs> probably. 
Can I go first? Yeah, sure. Sure. and then Absolutely. you guys can hate on me. Um, when I saw The Hobbit, I was so pre-spoiled that it was worthless. Right? I knew I was like, "Oh, that's that, and that's that, and that's that." It, it, the opposite of Amazon, I felt like I knew everything. So it took me years to objectively just enjoy the movie, which is too bad. Mm-hmm. I loved, loved the Two Towers when it came out. It blew me away. Um, the the effects and the fight sequence, which I consider still the greatest battle in cinema history, mm-hmm. even greater than what's in uh, Return of the King. And then the Return of the King movie had the advantage of like six hours worth of building, and then it pays off in all these moments. It, it's preloaded, right? It has this huge advantage of all this emotional payoff, which is hard to compare. In my opinion, The Fellowship is the best of the three movies now with perspective. And there's a very slight, I can see The Hobbit coming from that writing team. I can see the steps that are leading to the things that I didn't love about The Hobbit. And they're most apparent in Return of the King. But it doesn't matter because we have all those emotional payoffs. So like, you can almost do anything in Return of the King as long as you have the right emotional beats, which they nailed. So it doesn't, I mean, almost nothing matters, but I can, I can see the cracks starting to appear. So mm-hmm. I think Fellowship is an all-time, like, pantheon, like Mount Rushmore of movies. Like, it's right up, it's, it's not fourth, it's a big Mount Rushmore, but it's there with, <laughs> with the all-time. I, I was going to say, I heard Mount Rushmore is a lot smaller in person than it. We need to come up with a different, it's a Hall of Fame movie, but that's not even good enough. Either. Yeah, yeah. It's, but it's Fellowship of the Ring is a tremendous movie, and Two Towers accomplishes a lot, especially as a middle movie. And then Return of the King is the payoff. So yeah. it's really hard for me to rate beyond. Do you need me to give it a grade? We usually we, we usually a give grade. a letter grade. You're our guest, so we're not going to force you to. Well, I would be a bad guest. I, I mean, it has to for me. It has to get an A for for what it accomplished and mm-hmm. and the what it was. What it accomplished, what it set out to be, like I, I um, and I can find plenty of faults. We could do a whole show on problems mm-hmm. with those films, but I just want to hug Peter Jackson and say, dude, he just delivered. He just for me, he just delivered yeah. all those emotional things, and I, I, it's an A for me. Yeah, Tracy, but not, but not perfect. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm with Larry. This series is phenomenal. Uh, solid A for me. Um, incredibly watchable um they've aged extremely well i don't feel like the hobbits have aged, like this the effects in the hobbits movies stick out to me as not working um i also was unfortunately saw the first hobbit in the super the 48 frame high res thing and that was weird and i i don't know so i won't get into that but as far as uh lord of the rings the series goes i'm gonna give it an a I'm giving it a B plus. What? All right. This is, a B I'm plus is out. a good. A B plus is a good grade, and it's. I have to round three of them into one grade, and so if I have to put all three into one grade, then it's a B plus, close to an A minus, but a B plus, okay. and that's still really good. For me, I mean, I've said it before on the show, I'm sure, but Lord of the Rings is my favorite movie. Yes, it's my favorite movie. I count them all as one movie because <laughs> it is. 
in my opinion. And and I agree, Larry. You can see some things in, in Return of the King where, listen, there may have been one or two too many fade-out, fade-in scenes at the end where it's like, okay, we've done this enough. But But overall, Two Towers, I think, is the best middle movie of a trilogy ever made. Um, that's a and, statement. Yeah, I, I'm confident in it though. And I and I agree, Fellowship of the Ring is amazing. Yeah, for me it's an A all the way. Sorry to ruin your curve. It's all right. <laughs> well we, we throw out the we throw out the lowest score. We throw out the lowest score. It's fine. No Actually, scary. we still if we average all it out, then we probably are like at a ninety three percent, which would be an A still. I've, I've just learned this is getting old. This is starting to degrade a little bit. No. Oh, no. We need to find a way to like museum. You, gotta, you, you have to put quality it. You've got to, you've got to cover it with some. Um, put it in a hermetically sealed box. and. Well, no, but you can uh, actually cover it. Like if you're okay with that is painting over it with. Mm. Um, I forgot what it's called, but I'll send you a link. It'll keep probably, it preserved. Not. Part of the fun for me is touching the, touching the hairs and just hmm. the, the. Well, don't do the hairs. <laughs> well, I'm saying the tactile feel and being able to run my finger on the. I just. I That's like probably why it. it's getting old, is because you keep touching I, I it. I very rarely do, but when I when I get stop it out, touching like, it, Larry. <laughs> it. See, like like it's you know sorry that's a terrible podcast, but it's just starting to <laughs> curl up and dry out. I probably just. <laughs> Really, to, honestly, to... in, in our three years, this is the most entertained I've ever been on our podcast. Like, this has been so good. <laughs> so many great stories. I'm going to move to Mississippi where it's humid to save my prosthetic. <laughs> that is, that is. Why'd you move here? Well, I've got this piece of skin. <laughs> and, and in Mississippi, wet. that's not even the weirdest thing they've heard that day. Maybe not. Yeah. I'm just excited to hear what uh, Tracy's going to sing out for us today. I don't know. If there I've there are some for... there are some good songs. You could do the last goodbye, Billy Boyd. I I, I, I can't do that to Billy Boyd. That's a that's a travesty. All right. I don't think he'd care. I don't think I've got one. I'm sorry. Well, now I'm well, disappointed. Thank you everyone. <laughs> thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for being with us for three years. And if you haven't been with us for three years, well, welcome, and we're glad that you're here anyway. Thank you, Larry, for joining us. This has been really great. We've really enjoyed your stories and your experiences that you've shared with us. Um, we have some great things happening um, on movies that make us. Val keeps popping up with some live videos where she's interviewing Woo! some really cool filmmakers. So I yes. hope you guys are catching that on our YouTube channel. If you want to, you need to subscribe. That's the best way to catch all of those videos and never miss any of them. Um, and thank you so much for listening. You can send us feedback. If Tracy said anything you didn't agree with, which is was probably Val this the time. case. It was Val this time. Well, you know, whatever. Uh, you can send us an email or you can just comment on our Facebook post and Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, we won't see you at the movies. The Lord of the Rings. That's not a song. <laughs>